0: Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets SEL podcast, episode 19. This is Andrea Samadhi. This interview will be broadcast on YouTube, as well as the regular podcast channel, so be sure to look for that YouTube link in the show notes if you'd like to view the video. Today, we have Bob Jarrus, the author of Mind Matters, Applying Emotional Intelligence for Personal and Professional Success, among five other books on the topic of communication, leadership, and sales. His focus is on making performance, teamwork, and organizational development happier and more results-driven. He's a certified human resource professional with over 30 years of experience in staffing, development, engagement, and organizational development. He founded Success Dynamics International and developed the EIQ2 learning system. As a university professor and administrator, He developed, taught, administered, delivered, and assessed both curriculum courses at graduate and undergraduate levels for traditional adult education and online programs. He's taught marketing, management, HR, adult development, and psychology with a focus on measurable, sustainable results. Bob has been a trusted advisor for the work we do here at Achieve It 360 and someone I reach out to often for advice with his in-depth knowledge in a wealth of different areas. Welcome, Bob.
1: Thank you, Andrea.
0: Well, it's interesting and timely today that we're speaking on World Suicide Prevention Day since one of the last times I reached out for advice was to get some help in this area with some of the challenges that I was seeing in our local schools. Can you provide some background on where you started your career and perhaps any words of advice on suicide prevention since this is your area of expertise?
1: I was a university professor for 25 years. I was also a school psychologist, and I had worked with uh, a large number of, uh, the nice term is at-risk populations. Uh, One of the things that I'm very conscious of today is with Suicide Awareness Day, there's a large, large number of young people who are at risk for suicide, Statistically every day, 22 of our veterans commit suicide. One medical practitioner commits suicide every day. And since about 2015, our suicide rates are up approximately 30%. When everybody talks about gun control, uh, they seem to miss the point. If uh, people commit suicide, uh, 65% of the gun related deaths are suicides, not the uh, mass shootings or things like that that we think of. So it's a major issue in the United States and it's it's getting worse, not better.
0: What do you think is the cause behind it? Because I see here as well, it's a huge epidemic starting as young as 11 in our community here. So what is the cause do you think?
1: Well, the United States can pride itself on being the country that reports the highest level of stress in the world. I'm not sure that's a record we want to have in this country, but we we have it. Uh, Associated with that high level of stress is a high level of depression as well. Normally, I try and take people through the uh, emotional intelligence patterns to understand what's happening and I try and tell people you start with self-awareness we've created a tool called the uh, suicide vortex and at the outer edges you get basic depression things of oh I am stressed I'm overwhelmed this is a terrible day I wish I wasn't here we all make those kind of comments Uh, they're borderline but they should kind of trigger a mental awareness in ourselves and in other people when we hear them or we uh, see visual expressions of them. Now, what happens next with the the vortex that I try and warn people is it gets worse. If you think of a vortex, it goes down and it gets progressively more uh, dangerous. After we leave the outside of the vortex, we hit the, the Ds. Uh, I'm despondent, I'm desolate, I'm discontent and you start seeing the patterns are becoming more prevalent and less gee whiz, uh, this is an anomaly. It, it's more persistent and pervasive. Once we've hit the D's, uh, it's good if you've got somebody who's your friend, uh, I try and warn people, especially caretakers. Most caretakers are well-meaning, but the danger of codependence is, is very high. When we hear someone who is in danger, very often we want to say something, but we say either the wrong thing or we decide it's not our place to say something. But once we start hearing patterns of despondent, discouraged, dejected, First of all, we should monitor our own self-talk when we hear that and then we want to get someone else who tells us, I care, I'm here for you, you're important. And most of us who take that caregiver role have to be aware that we're not responsible for the other person. We can help, but it's not our responsibility. And when it moves into hurting, heartbroken, hopeless, helpless, that's the core, the core of the vortex. Things are pretty bad at that point. So I usually try and tell people, be aware of these for yourself, but also be aware of them when you start hearing other people express it and seem to be cycling down.
0: Exactly, because when, I, when you helped me create this poster of awareness, I had some students say, you know, we know what to do when we're on fire. It's very clear. We stop, drop, and roll. But they didn't know what to do when they heard these signs. So from once you hear these signs, then what do you do?
1: Well, it, it's a matter of uh, letting the person know that you care, letting them know that you're aware of them letting them know that they're important. And then, as I I warn people, as the vortex spirals, uh, the better you can get professional assistance, the more things are able to cope. Now, some of the statistics, everybody is like, uh, if Joe is going to commit suicide, he's going to commit suicide. Well, that's frighteningly wrong. Uh, There are about 280 planned suicides for every one actual suicide. Which means there's a lot of people who are dealing with some serious depression issues. And the more you can curtail it at the depression level, at the outer levels, the better off you are. So the awareness, getting the person on the right track, letting them know they're important, letting them know they're cared for, letting them know their life is meaningful. Uh, I usually like to focus on positives with people. But at a certain point, uh, get others involved. There, uh, Very often people are like, Andrea, I wanna talk to you as my friend. Please don't tell anybody I'm feeling this way, but I really want to end it all. Well, there's a certain point that psychologists will warn you right off the bat. You cannot honor that promise to me.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Once I've told you I've bought a gun, uh, I intend to commit suicide tomorrow morning, I've written out my will, you've got a very credible threat. It's no longer that confidence between you and me. So when you promised me it was just between us you can't keep that promise. Got it. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, this is, this is very powerful and important because I think it's a topic that we hear about, but we don't talk about the next steps for. So thanks for your professional advice there.
1: Let, let me extend it a little bit further because everybody always, especially on suicide awareness, everybody always thinks of the person who commits suicide. However, it's not just a one-person deal. It's the family. It's the friends. It's the acquaintances. There is an incredible ripple effect that, typically, the person contemplating suicide can't think of the the ripples that he or she is creating. I'm going to refer to the military people, uh, because 22 of our veterans commit suicide every day. Well, they leave behind a family, they leave behind children, they leave behind their parents and they leave behind a lot of people asking questions. Uh, what could I have done? What should I have done? Could I have saved him? Should I have said something differently? How could I have stopped him, and that sorrow is persistent it, it just the grieving just doesn't stop immediately, and what happens more often than not is other people carry that for a long long time. so I try and warn people not only is it an individual disease, and I and consider it uh, as an illness and very often we say the wrong things to people. Andrea, you're better than that. Why are you thinking that way? That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And instead of being supportive and encouraging the people, we we just have a tendency to put them down. In our country, we don't accept mental issues very well. We like to blame someone of you're not strong enough and you, you should suck it up and it's not all that bad and then we do some wonderful things. Gee, I, I know people who've had it worse. Mm-hmm. I know people who've got more miserable conditions. Well, that doesn't help with the hurting. It just tells people, there's other people who are hurting too, but that doesn't relieve their pain. So it's, uh, I usually try and tell people listening, empathy, those kinds of skills are crucial.
0: Right, absolutely. and. And as as we see a movement these days to implement social-emotional learning more in our schools, focusing more on listening and empathy, why, why do you think these programs are so important at the school level in moving into the workplace, like where you're focused, to recognize these? What, what's been missing?
1: Well, at every level, um, what happens is we focus on the tangibles. Uh, we see the damage and it's like, um, what a shame with veterans. Um, hopefully it's not contagious. And by the way, emotions are contagious, mm-hmm. which a lot of people don't, don't accept and don't acknowledge. A lot of people also focus on uh, external manifestations. Let's deal with gun control. Let's deal with eliminating the causes. And as you suggested, if we could get the the awareness better in school systems, the younger people are aware of empathy and self-awareness, the more they make it part of their life, the more they're mindful, the more they're aware of what they can contribute and do contribute. Um, The more they're aware of there are ways of resilience, there are ways out of it. But our schools too often, Uh, focus on more tangible immediate results uh, which I know you and I are in agreement but it's extremely frustrating of uh, let's put an accounting course in a high school instead of anything on emotional intelligence well I taught accounting at a college level and the methods are quickly becoming outdated but uh, that hasn't changed our thinking Uh, but we've we have a tendency to look short-term in education. Companies look at uh, workplace violence, but again, we have a tendency to focus on the symptoms rather than what's causing those symptoms. And instead of uh, emotional intelligence, which in fact does address the health, mental health issue, we focus on sim- symptoms, we focus on tangibles, and we get lost.
0: So your movement with what you're doing right now, um, I love your book, Mind Matters. It explains every facet for using emotional intelligence for personal and professional life. And I like how it's written in a how-to style and you've connected the brain in there with the most recent neuroscience and graphics. Can you explain why you wrote Mind Matters?
1: Well, Mind Matters was... um a product of years of seeing people who didn't, who liked the concept of emotional intelligence, but didn't quite seem to understand it. And the answer to me was uh, put information at in people's reach at success dynamics. We, we kind of looked at what was happening that wasn't working. A lot of emotional intelligence systems are extremely expensive. Uh, that expense puts them out of the reach of small businesses, uh, schools start thinking it's too expensive. I don't even need to look at it instead of looking at the results and the outcomes. I'm not sure too expensive works anywhere, but we were focused on after too many years of teaching, uh, mind matters and our systems all focus on, uh, Feed forward thinking, Uh, part of why I didn't enjoy traditional psychology is it's all focused on yesterday. How can we correct what happened to you? How can we correct the past? And after a number of years working as a psychologist, I came to the magic conclusion that I wasn't able to fix the past, no matter how hard I worked at it. I was seeing people who were coming in to talk to me about depression. Uh, they seemed calm. They seemed collected. And then we'd talk to them about, well, what bad things happened to you in the past? And emotions are always in the present tense. So their past would come back and we would talk about those terrible things. They would leave our discussion probably feeling a little bit badly because they had it validated right to feel bad about what happened to them. Then they would come back to me a few days later, having recovered from my psychology session. And then we would uh, take them back to those bad experiences. Yeah. And we kind of looked at uh, success dynamics of let's focus on feed forward. How mm-hmm. can we make today good, tomorrow better? Emotional intelligence does not cure mental illness. Too many people get confused with that. But it does create well-being. It does create mental fitness. And I try and tell people, if you look at uh, the way we take care of the other parts of our body, we'll turn around and talk about exercise and diet, but we don't often think of the mind in the same category. But yet most of our energy during the day is spent with our mind. (laughs) Then we looked at... Success Dynamics and wanted to keep our costs down. We wanted to make an affordable system and we wanted to make it usable. Well, after all the years with teaching and different systems, uh, we made Success Dynamics and the EIQ2 system the most visual system that exists. We were focused on creating active, engaging visuals where I could deal with smart people. And surprisingly, even though most of us have a tendency to put ourselves down, most of the people I get to work with are smart people. Mm-hmm. I get to show them a visual. Here's what the, the suicide vortex looks like for one example. Mm-hmm. And they see it. They hear the word vortex. We create mental pictures. We've got visual images. And they get it very quickly. Right. Right. And that's why why what makes us a little bit different is the feed-forward concept, blended learning, and then we, we're very visual.
0: I love it. I loved reading your book and, and learning from you all the time. I continue to learn from you every day. Thanks for all you're doing in this field. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the topics that you cover, and that's something that's always so important when schools contact me, it's self-regulation, managing one's emotions. It's the most requested topic always, and it's obviously a skill that needs to be trained. And in your experience, why is it so difficult to do this and so that we can find that balance between self-leadership that we need to develop for workplace success?
1: Well, you're dealing with a dichotomy of uh, the game hot potato. Okay. Children should have learned how to control their feelings at home. That's not the school's job. Got it. Um, obviously, we're missing something somewhere. So we we do. It's somebody else's fault. It's the media's fault. They're seeing too much violence. It's the games they play's fault. They they've got too much violence in the games. It's. Uh, The schools aren't teaching it. uh, The homes aren't teaching it. And then we hit the the flip side of the coin. I know my emotions. I'm aware of everything. And the reality is most people can't uh, articulate clearly and precisely what emotions are they feeling. Well, I'm feeling sad. Well, what does that mean to you? Well, I'm kind of down. Well, does down and sad mean you're suicidal, or does that mean you're experiencing the blues? And until we start getting into the schools and teaching students, teaching teachers, teaching families how to express emotions and that it's okay to have emotions. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a family where I was told, uh, you know, gee whiz, I feel really bad today. I'm sad. Well, you're a boy, boys don't cry.
0: Right.
1: You shouldn't feel that way. Right. And once we've got the shouldn'ts and the other things happening, uh, people move on and say, I get it all. And they don't, I don't know anybody who gets it all. I'm still learning every day,
0: right. but
1: you try and tell people it's okay to learn which almost feels funny to tell people about emotions, it is okay to learn.
0: Right. Right, it is. What's your vision with what you're doing with Success Dynamics? Where do you see this? I know we've recently talked about this, so I'd love to hear you know, what, what you're thinking about it.
1: Well, what, we've, what we're doing now is we're getting more and more coaches certified uh, who understand the blend of how do you do training, How do visuals impact learning? How can you use the tools? Uh, And part of what originally drew me to emotional intelligence is it can be learned, and it can be changed dramatically. Uh, We focus on a lot of IQ and a lot of cognition, and the problem is with IQ and cognition is there's only a certain certain gain that you can have, no matter how effective your program is. With emotional intelligence, I see consistent gains. But part of what the fun to me is, I try and tell people, you need to understand your audience. Because although emotional intelligence is the same, it's different. We've gotten to work with Navy SEALs. And one of the uh, embarrassments I have is one of the expressions I jokingly would use is second place is the first loser. One of the Navy SEALs put his hand up and said, excuse me, sir, in our world, second place is dead. Wow. Uh, It took me back and it made me think, yes, the concepts of emotional intelligence work exactly the same way for the SEALs as they do for anybody else, but we need to adjust our perspective a little bit. We need to adjust the way we bring it across and we need to adjust the way we communicate with them. Um, I referenced them because of where we started today, but the other one we've worked a lot with is people in healthcare, doctors, nurses. uh, Most people don't realize the amount of stress that those healthcare professionals are under. Mm -hmm. Well, they need emotional intelligence as well, and they need to have some kind of venue with a coach where they can vent, where they can talk about feelings and emotions, because you certainly don't want a doctor walking in and saying, gee, Andrea, I don't know what's wrong with you. I think it's probably this, (laughs) but, you know, everybody's different, and I've had a rough weekend and it's just not my day to work with you today, but I'll do my best in operating on you. Right. Uh, Well, you probably are saying, Can I get another doctor, please? No. Exactly. Well, somehow or another, we need to create venues with coaching and other things where we've got coaches who can relate specifically to that audience, how that audience has their own peculiarities and distinctions and how that coach can relate to them. We've got a coach who works with pastors and I'm like, well, gee, they don't have issues. They're always above everything. And he just smiled at me and said, you, if you only knew what pastors and clergy go through on a regular basis. And the more I taught him, the more he taught me about the niche he works in. So I try and warn people it's a matter of understanding who your cu- customer base is. Mm-hmm. Uh for people to turn around and say gee uh you've talked about schools. Uh 7 8 year olds really don't have any problems, you know, teenagers don't have any problems. I even wish I could go back there. There's no trouble at that age.
0: Right, I've heard that for sure.
1: Yeah it's okay you're right but you're terribly wrong Mm -hmm. and you're undervaluing that audience if you don't recognize that their experiences are hard at the time Mm -hmm. I mean we may get past things we may get over things and we may say gee I don't know why I was so worried about it but at the time the stress is real the tension is real the physical dynamics are real
0: And times are so different these days. I try to stay on top of what kids are going through by watching their media, but it's nothing like what we grew up with, right? Back in the day.
1: It's all different, but it's still all the same. Interesting. I always like to try and warn people of you need to hear somebody else's perspective. Because we have a tendency to say, you know, when I grew up, I, I had to walk 10 miles to school uphill both ways in the snow. Exactly. Now, you probably didn't, but it seemed hard for you and you got over it. But you probably, um, I don't know, this is going to date me a little bit, but I, I always liked the old ba- Barbara Streisand song and the movie, "The Memories of the Way We Were. mm mm-hmm. What's too painful to remember, we simply choose to forget. Sure. So we, we often code our memories, and they're not accurate. And it's, it takes deliberation and intentionality to relate to another human being where he or she is and to validate that pain and that situation. Instead of saying you're you'll get over it it's not a big deal and those kind of phrases are are just too easy Mm
0: -hmm. so bringing this all together on national suicide prevention day do do you have any final words of wisdom
1: well i'm going to piggyback on what you're doing andrea because i know you do some great things as well one of the things that i would like to see happen is more and more people get more than a nodding acquaintance with emotional intelligence take it into your home take it to your children take it to your family think about what you're saying think about the conditioning and programming you're doing because whether you like to admit it you are programming yourself your children Mm -hmm. Uh, i love children because to me they're amazing You'll hear children, you know, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a professional basketball player. But your parents are both under 5'7". And as adults, we have a tendency to want to put the uh, pin in the balloon at a very young age. You can't do that. You're not that smart. You're not any good at math. And we do all of this negative stuff And once we we start putting emotional intelligence in the families and the homes, we start creating less depression, more happiness. We start crowding out all that negative nonsense, but we just seem to have too much much time for the bad stuff. And I, I love people like yourself who are putting out the good word of positively and emotional intelligence where people can have better lives. It's not about possessions. It's not about things. It's about relationships and experiences. It
0: really is. It really is. Thank you so much for all you're doing. If someone wants to reach you, Bob, what's the best way? Is it through LinkedIn?
1: The be- LinkedIn is a real good way to reach me. Um, I get tons of mail through LinkedIn. Uh, you can also reach me at rgeris, successdynamics.org. You can reach me at our website, wwweiq or you can call me at 863 353 8070.
0: Wonderful. Well, Bob, I want to thank you so much for all you're doing. I appreciate everything you've done to help me over here with Achieva 360 and all you're doing for the world. You're, you're doing incredible things and we'll continue to support and promote everything you're doing. Thanks so much.
1: Thanks, Andrea. Love working with you.